You're under conviction tonight to step out in faith. Maybe God's calling you to something and you're uh, struggling with it. You're you're fighting against that calling, fighting against that, that resistance, you know, that resistance of what God's calling you to. Then I'm preaching to you tonight. I really am. But Ezekiel chapter 36, we're going to treat, read two verses, verses 26 and 27. Very familiar verses. Thankful what the Lord, what the Holy Spirit's given me tonight. But let's go to prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for another opportunity. Uh, to gather together into this beautiful sanctuary to worship you. Thankful for the ones that have a desire to be here tonight, the ones who have a desire to tune in through social media. Father, thank you so much that your desire to meet with us is, is even greater than our desire to meet with you. Father, we ask you tonight, once again, for Holy Spirit conviction. It's not talked about enough, it's not preached enough about, but Father, it is the most powerful element to what we do here at church. Father, we ask you tonight to, to draw out, Father, that those that might be wrestling against uh, your Holy Spirit, to, to the ones that are under conviction for salvation, Father, before it's everlasting too late, and for the ones that are under conviction to the calling you might have in a new season in your life. We ask you to, to minister to those people tonight, to, to draw those people tonight, to, to woo those people tonight, that you would meet that need, meet that supply, that they would give you glory for it all. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your people. In your son's presence, let me pray. And amen. Ezekiel chapter 36, two verses. Starting at verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You've probably heard the phrase over before, what happens when an unstoppable force comes in contact with an immovable object? You ever heard that before? It's a paradox. What happens when an immovable object faces an unstoppable force? It can't happen. Once again, there's just a collision. And we've asked that question before. I've heard it be said before, but the fact is nothing happens. But as God began to deal with me tonight in this verse, I have to ask the question is, what happens when the stony heart of man comes in contact with the convicting spirit of God's grace? And I'll tell you right now, it is not a paradox. The stony heart loses every time. Now, I believe in free will. I believe we have a choice, but I'm telling you, because I've experienced it, and you're probably sitting here tonight, and you've experienced it too. When you went against God, when you ran from God, and God begins to convict, begins to draw, and that's what happens. Yes, He won't force anything on anyone, but there's something to be said about what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to work on a heart. I know because I've been there. And the problem is this. And it's a beautiful problem to have. <laughs> Not for those who are under conviction, but to give God glory. Because the more we resist, the more He pursues. Amen. <laughs> and the farther we try to run, <laughs> the closer we get to Him. And the fact of the matter is, the more we try to drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more deafening it is to drown it out. And I'm so thankful for that. I want to turn to Acts chapter 9 as God began to deal with me in this verse. Because I love Holy Spirit conviction because I believe it's the thing that we cannot do. Yes, me and Pastor Delbert can preach the word. Yes, we can sing the songs. But it is the Holy Spirit that does the work. 
It is that Holy Spirit that convicts the heart. That really causes that heart. And there's a, there's a promise here. That's what God's desire is. In Ezekiel, he says that. He wants to give us a new heart. To replace the stony heart. And to give us a heart that, that, has, that is a flesh heart. I'll say this. A tender heart. Remember that. A tender heart. Okay? If you're taking notes, I want you to write down. A tender heart is what he desires. What man has because of our sin is a stony heart. But he puts that spirit in us. That convicting spirit. And he replaces it with a tender heart. Acts chapter 9. Look at this. And Saul, look, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Man, talk about a stony heart right there. This is what he was. It literally said he breathed out threatenings. He breathed out slaughters. He literally went. He literally went to the high priest and said, I want you to write me letters that I may send to the churches, send to the synagogues, that if anybody's preaching Jesus Christ, if there's any disciples of the Lord, I'm going to bound them, I'm going to arrest them, and sure enough, we might try and we might kill them. That is the condition of the heart of Saul in this place. And then look, it says right here, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why pursue Executed thou me. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And then he says this. It is hard, it is hard for thee, for thee to kick against the pricks. Now I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever preached on this on that verse before. I've preached on the road to Damascus. But I began to ask myself, or better yet, I began to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that he meant there? Because obviously he's met, once again, Saul thought he might have been an immovable object, but he wasn't. But I'm telling you, the grace of God was an unstoppable force. And they collided there on the, that light hit him, and they collided on the road to Damascus. And God, so Jesus says to him, he said, it is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. The bricks right there is the word kentron in the Greek, and it means any sharp point which will pierce or perforate. I can tell you right now, there's no sharper point than the word of God right here. And if we keep preaching the word of God, I'm telling you, it will penetrate the hardest heart. It will convict that which is farthest away that they think from receiving salvation. But that's what it says. And it says, in, in first sense, it could be something like a sting of a bee. We know a bee sting, if you've ever tried to do it. I remember in eighth grade class, we had a little portable Winfield High School. And the girl that I liked was right next to me. Sorry, Megan, but she was. But the fact of the matter is, there was a bee or hornet in the window seal, and the girl, you know, eighth grade girl, so they're scared of the bee, and big old brat said, oh, I'll take care of it. And I went to the squat, and I said, I got it. Sure enough, I looked down, my finger was three times the size of my normal finger, didn't show any motion. But that's the pierce of that sting, that's what Kentron means. But most commonly, I looked this up, and I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit gave me, it said it commonly meant in those days... It was compared to an ox goad. We see in Judges chapter 3 that a Shamgar killed 600 men with an ox goad. What was an ox goad? It was a blade or a piece of glass or a piece of steel that was sharpened and would be put on the end of a stick. 
and whenever that ox got contrary, they would begin to kick, that ox would kick, and they would have that ox go there, so that every time it kicked, he would kick that sharp point, and the fact of the matter is, it wasn't the ox goat that got hurt, it was the ox. And that's what happens. We begin to kick, and we begin to resist the conviction of God, and who gets hurt? God, please. <laughs> you know, so let me ask you this question tonight, because God began to deal with me. If I took my shoe off, or even with my shoe, this seems like a pretty hard, or let's say we pick a wall there, and I begin to kick this. Kick it, kick it, kick it, over time. I might put a dent in it, most likely I won't, but what's going to happen to my foot? It's going to grow tender, sore to even the touch, probably affect my walk if I kick it enough. And this is the reality when we go against God's grace for so long. Paul literally spewed out threatenings and slaughters, had letters written from the high priest to bound them. And he began to kick, and he began to kick, and he began to kick. And sure enough, sure enough, God's grace began to kick back. And once again, he said that. He said, it is hard for thee to kick against the Ketron, against the bricks. It's hard to kick against something that's way sharper than that which you're kicking with. And I'm so thankful that the grace of God, that the Holy Spirit of God begins to work on a heart. That the fact of the matter is the more you kick, the more you run, the more you grow tender. I've been there. The Lord was asking Paul, hey, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Continuing to kick against something that is only hurting you. And this became Paul's testimony. We won't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it. Acts, Acts 26 and 14. Remember, this is what Jesus said to him. He said he met him on the road to Damascus. And he said, I am the uh, Jesus, the one thou persecutest. And he said, is it hard to kick against the pricks? And it says right here in Acts 26 and 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It became his testimony. How many of you have the very same testimony? Oh, I was called to preach, and man, I ran from that calling for weeks. Miserable as can be. Ronnie Withrow, he's not here tonight, but usually he'll testify that. Oh, I was so deep in sin, so miserable, so convicted, you know, and, and that becomes our testimony. I remember the very night when finally I couldn't kick anymore. I remember the very night when finally my heart grows so tender from kicking back at God that Mike, I'm going to be honest, it described to me, white knuckled on the end of a pew. How hard can you grip when it comes to the grace of God? Now, once again, I think it comes with a choice, but if we pray for Holy Spirit conviction, man, I beg that man to resist God. I beg him to try because we are kicking an ox goat. We are kicking the pricks. We are kicking that catch wrong. But how many of us recollect that? When you were running from him, when you refused to hear the gospel, when we say, oh, I was so miserable, so convicted, so tender. Because what happens is we spend so much time wrestling with God, wrestling to stop the conviction, wrestling to stop that heavy heart that we feel that pumps out of our chest, wrestle against the clammy palms, that finally the reality sets in that maybe this thing's real. How is it unbelievers wrestle with something that does not exist? 
And they spend so much time staying out of church, staying out of God's word. But when God's people begin to pray for Holy Spirit conviction, what is imaginary becomes a reality. Because I believe that's what the Holy Spirit means to do. Look right here. Paul himself, who was persecuting Christians, and were persecuting Christians because they were preaching something that he didn't believe was real. And yet he meets the Lord on Damascus Road. And he said, who art thou, Lord? (laughs) He said it himself. Who art thou, Lord? He knew it. He just didn't have a name to it. I knew when I was under conviction. I just didn't know it was the Lord. But people were praying for me. God began to deal with me. God's word began to open up in me. And finally, we realized that we can't run anymore. Lee Strobel. Anyone seen Case of Christ? A wonderful movie. An investigative reporter. Wife gets saved. And he's so angry at her for getting saved that he begins this investigation process to discredit, to do away with the Christian religion. And to start at the crucifixion, to start at the resurrection of Christ. And because someone had told him, listen, if you can discount that, if you can discredit that, it's, it's a house of cards. It falls and, and rises on the on the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and he set out to wrestle against God, to prove that God was wrong. And sure enough, he wrestled to the point when he realized that I can't wrestle anymore. Yeah. The reality that Jesus is indeed alive and real today. Amen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. We see an account of a man named Jacob that was running away. Running away. How many people today are running away? How far can you run? David said, if I made my bed in hell, you're there. If I've traveled all the way up to heaven, you're there. Who can go away from the presence of God? I'm telling you right now, you can run and you can run and you run. But as long as we have the Holy Spirit working and administering today, there's no place you can run. There's no place you can hide. There's not a, you can't kick hard enough before it starts to grow tender. And I'm so thankful that we have a God that desires us so much. Because you know what? I could kick once. I could, re- I could refuse him once. But I'm so thankful that it's, he's not slack concerning his promises. Rob's favorite verse. But he's, he's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It begins. To, it continues to work. But we see Jacob here that was running away. And in the moment, finally, in verse 24, Jacob was left alone, or so he thought. And there appeared a man and it says this and there Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him it didn't say the man wrestled with Jacob but Jacob wrestled with the man until the breaking of the day and when he saw that he prevailed not against him he touched the hollow of his look at this for a second once again because I believe that's what Paul was trying or Saul was trying to do on the road to Damascus and when he saw that he prevailed not against him he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him and he said look at this this is what the man said this is what God said we know in a couple verses later that after he realized that he wasn't wrestling with a man that he was wrestling with God he built an altar there and called that altar Peniel which meant I've met God face to face but he says here that that he uh, that the, that the man or God said let me go for the day breaking 
God said to Jacob, let me go. Think of that for a second. Now, God obviously knew what he was doing. But who was hanging on to who? <laughs> and that's the thing about under conviction. Sometimes we hang on to it because we know it's real. And when that conviction begins to go, we, man, we, we don't know what we got, but we're, we're going to hang on to it. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. I'm so thankful the Spirit of God tonight. Because when he got a hold of me and I got a hold of him, I'm telling you, I came out the winning end of that stick. He lost when it came to me, but I won when it came to him. He gave me everything and I offered him nothing. But for some reason, that spirit of God came in the darkest point of my life when I thought I was running and I could run out, run him. There he showed up in the middle of my night when I was left alone and I wrestled with God and I'm so thankful I won. I won because he won. What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall no be, be no, called no more Jacob, but Israel. Saul's name should no be called Saul, but Paul. Brad Joseph is no longer that sinner that used to be there. But now, thank God, he's called me into a, a ministry. He's given me a family. He's changed my name. And best yet, he's changed my destiny. Thy name shall be no more called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and it hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name, as if he didn't know. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask me my name? Once again, we know it. And that's the problem with the unbeliever. That's the problem that's running from a calling that God's calling you tonight. You know it's God. You know it's the Holy Spirit. You're fighting against something you already know is a reality. Jacob wrestles with God, realizes it's God, and yet says, I want to know what your name is. I know you just don't change my name, but I want to know what your name is. He said, why do you ask me what my name is? And he blessed him there. And as we talked a minute ago, and Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And look at this right here with me. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose up upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Once again, I talked about that. Yeah. We kick so long, and if it grows tender, and we kick against God so long that our heart begins to grow tender. And what we tried to do was make our heart grow harder. But the fact of the matter is because of the Holy Spirit, it works in an opposite effect. And, and you see people, drug addicts that are so hungry for God, people that were in gangs so hungry for God, because what you do is you say, well, I'll just live harder. Someone just said today, I forget who it was, it doesn't really matter, but someone said we have an agreement, that they said that we have an agreement with God. I'm going to live like sin, and I'm going to die and go to hell. People have made that statement before. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit loves that because he can work on that heart when no one else can. I'm talking about the dirtiest, the down and outest, the worst of the worst. And God says, oh, keep kicking. Keep kicking until it's tender. And that's what he said to Saul on the road to Damascus. Literally on his journey from Damascus to deliver letters to the synagogues. That if you even talk about the name Jesus Christ, you'll be bound, you'll be arrested, and you could be killed. And he says to Saul, hey, 
It is hard. The kid feeds the pricks. How's that working for you? <laughs> and he met him right there. But it says right there that, that he, the sun rose up the next day as the day broke. And as he walked, it says he halted. He stopped upon his thigh. It changed him. everything. His whole entire walk changed. And it was so tender that everything changed from that moment. And I'm telling you, in the Holy Spirit of God, you can't walk the same. You can't sleep. You can't eat. You're absolutely miserable. And I'm so thankful for that because it can change not only your life, but it can change your children's life. It can change your community's life. And look what it says right here with me in verse 32. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which strength, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day. It changed everything from that moment. He wrestled with God. God did a work. And he said, it didn't just affect me, but it affected everyone after me. And I'm so thankful when the Holy Spirit began to work in my life. He didn't just work in my life, but it was a domino effect. And even better, I feel good tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. I'm so thankful that we have a Holy Spirit that you kick and it kicks back. You think you can hurt it, but I'm telling you, you are not an immovable object, but he is an unstoppable force. And I'm so thankful that the, the love of God goes the distance when we can't. Uh, you know, I was down and out. People had forgotten about me, said there's no hope for him. And God began to do a work that only he could. Tell me tonight, if you're under conviction, <laughs> I'm thankful. Yeah. You say, well, I'm not thankful, I'm miserable. Yeah, that's the point. You're going to keep kicking until it grows so tender that finally you got to say, I can't do it anymore, I submit. And if God's calling you to salvation tonight, I'm telling you, He's going to continue to work. You can say, well, I'll never come back, preacher. Good. You're going to go to Gomar, you're going to go to Walmart, you go everyone. But the fact of the matter is, it ain't me that's bringing conviction. I'm just a boy from Tate Valley. But it's the Holy Spirit that has a work and a plan for your life tonight. And I can say this too, not just for the unbeliever. But if God's calling you to something, and you know it, and you're sitting there right now and you know it, because you got that beat in your heart, and you got that clammy hands, keep kicking, keep resisting and see what happens. Most likely you'll be called into a bigger ministry than that which you could have if you would have submitted to begin with. You're going to be miserable. God's going to work on you. And finally you say, God, just here I, here I am. Here I am. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm going to have Rob and Sonny come and start praying about getting us a message. Because you might say tonight, why would God want me? Why would God be pursuing me? If he knew who I was. If he knew what I had done. If he knew where I had been. Surely I'd be discredited. To feel the presence of God drawing me. You don't have a clue. White Sunday this morning. He loves you. In a way that you could never begin to fathom. God commended his love for us. That while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. The greatest example of unconditional love. And Paul understood that because Paul met him. Not when he was the best of the best. When he was the worst of the worst. Literally, it says, literally, a verse before, God met him on the road to Damascus. He was, he was sending out threatenings and slaughters and letters. To, that's where God met him. 
So many people think if I, if I clean myself up, if I, if I live right, then, then maybe I'll be used of God. But if the Holy Spirit is drawing you right now, why do you care? Right. Look what Paul says here to Timothy. He says in chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting at the 12th verse. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful. Rob, I don't know about you, buddy. But when he met me and in my darkest place, I was anything but faithful. I was running away from the presence of God. But I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ saw something in me that could be used. For he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The very man who was binding and killing men who preached Christ would call him into the ministry to preach Christ. He said, who has enabled me, for he has counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And look what he says here. Who was before. I'm so thankful I'm not. I'm not, like the old church says, and the old quote says, yes, I'm not what I should be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. But the fact is, he said, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. The very letters he was writing of a Christ that did not exist met him on the road to Damascus. And it was undeniable. That they, he said, I ignorant and I believe. And I'm telling you tonight, if you're under conviction, yes, you might say it's not real. But how long are you going to deny the very presence of God that you know is real tonight? Amen. And the grace of the Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says this. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world. To save sinners. Of who I am chief. There was no one worse. There was no one that ran harder. That fought against the presence of God. And yet thankfully. Jesus Christ did a work through that Holy Spirit. How be it. For this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might shoot forth all long suffering for a pattern. That's what it is. Paul is a pattern to say you're just, there's no thing, there's nothing you can do. There's no way you can live so hard, so sinful, running away from the presence of God. There's nowhere you can go, no matter how hard you live. If you've got breath in your lungs, I'm telling you, His grace is sufficient. Grace is always greater than sin. And He is an example of it, and it is a pattern of it to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. Kick until it's tender. That's what he said to him, pretty much. How long are you going to keep kicking until finally it hurts? How long are you going to be miserable running away from what God's calling to you until it hurts? I believe probably you might be here tonight until you're already there. Can I tell you right now, stop and just say that which you know is true. This Holy Spirit is the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. It seems like the farther I run, the harder he pursues me. And the only option left is to surrender. Yeah. Is to surrender. So tonight, listen, if you're running, stop running. 
He's real. He wants to do a work in your life. Number one, he wants to save you. He wants to give you everlasting life. That was the pattern that Paul showed. So that you may believe on him and have everlasting life. Folks, listen. If one thing's true today, we see it more now in 2020 and now even now. Life is temporary. Life is short. We talked about it last week. It's a vapor. It is a vapor. It is a shadow. You are a blade of grass. But God's love is eternal. And he's calling you to everlasting life. Number one, if you're in a conviction tonight, I'm telling you, surrender. Surrender. I don't know what to do. It doesn't matter. You already know what to do if God's dealing with you. Don't put the car before the horse. You just come up. Give your life to him. Give your heart to him. He'll do the rest. We'll sit and talk with you after. First thing is to step out. To surrender. To give up. Number two, if God's calling you to something tonight, to, to ministry, to step out in faith, teach class, do something, stand, whatever it might be, stop. <laughs> stop fighting. Stop running. It's going to be easier on you. Trust me. You're not hurting God one day. You're only hurting yourself. And I'm telling you, the harder you kick, the farther you run, it's just going to make you grow even more tender. And that's what he says I've come to do, to take away your stony heart and to give you a heart of flesh. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm telling you, everything's going to change. And that's what God wants for you tonight. As as we stand and as we sing, listen, this altar's always open. Man, I feel good tonight. I feel the presence of God tonight. How about you? If God's calling you to this altar, you come pray. It's Sunday night. We prayed all. We went to the altar Sunday morning. We can't do it twice. Forget about all that. If God's pursuing you tonight, if he's, if he's dealing with your heart tonight, listen, you come forward. We want to pray with you.